Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Die Living Podcast brought to you by Softleet and this week also brought to you by Loophold Optics and Freedom Munitions. This week we have John Dill here with us as well as Cody Alford and we're going to be talking about the recent uh, Softleet hog hunt for the Silent Warrior Fund down in Texas. This was our sixth or maybe seventh year. I think it was our sixth year going down there. Um, it's one of these things that I think uh, words can never really do the event justice, but we've got probably about an hour here, so we're gonna we're gonna try hard to talk about it and uh, <clears throat> and kind of convey the I, I I don't know I like to call it the the sum is being greater than, or the whole is being greater than the sum of the parts to use the the cliche expression, um, but anyway, welcome John and Cody. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Good to have you guys here. Um, I'm here, too. And Brian's here, too. Gosh. I'm not trying to take Brian for granted. He's just uh Never take Brian for granted. Just a podcast monkey. I see. No, nah, man. You're, you're like a staple, <laughs> you know? it's uh, I don't, Technically, you're not a guest, right? Oh, you're, the, so. you're the glue of all this. Oh, stop this right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, the four of us are here. And uh, everyone is going to have a chance to speak their mind today. Well, so. that's not going to end well. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I guess let's kind of kick it off. Um, Cody and John and Brian, like this was your first time coming down to the hunt for each of you guys. So I'm actually kind of curious to see what you guys thought it was going to be like, um, you know, what you had kind of anticipated before we got down there. And then we'll talk about the, the event itself as well. Cool. Well, yeah. I, I kick it off, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I really had no idea, like, what to expect. I thought it was going to be the typical – well, I, I wouldn't even say typical because I've never been hunting before in the first place. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Texas. I'm going to do this hog hunt thing and then kind of go from there. Uh, I really wasn't quite sure what to expect other than the obvious of that, you know, the face value of it all. Uh, but actually getting there, the the second order effects of this entire trip, well, you know, that was extremely uh, beneficial for myself. And that was really a hidden treasure that I wasn't expecting to experience uh, kind of like in the very gray, you know, delusion of like what I was going to expect in the first place. So if that makes any kind of sense, I can elaborate that later on. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that it helped that you walked into like literally the greatest hunt that most people would ever have in their lives. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Breaking <laughs> records on the first day. Pig Slayer. Yeah, I will that, call that it was, a, you know, new guy luck. Yeah. So. I'm picturing Cody like NDing into the bottom of the blind and it like ricocheting into four pigs. Yeah. Should, yeah. We, like, <laughs> should, we give, should we give him the background on just how amazing of a hunt Cody had? Yeah, like, I think yeah. we should do that. You want to you wanna break that down for him, Cody? It was not just amazing so have for a reference. <laughs> <You know, laughs> All yeah. right. Okay, yes. Yeah, so not knowing really what to expect. Now, I sure wasn't expecting to uh, be as, I guess have a fruitful of a hunt uh, as I did. So basically uh, the new guy here uh, showing me to this hunt, I really know what to expect. I get put into my first stand, uh, have a couple malfunctions, mainly uh, shooter error because I'm like, ah, look, there's a hog. 
I guess I should expect that because I'm on a hawk hunt. So I wasn't really quite ready. So kind of buffed out the kinks. And then I came back later on that evening. And that's when... Uh, like, what kind of shooter errors? Okay, yeah. Let me just you know, explain that one. So here I have this, like, pretty pretty sweet, you know, 300 blackout uh, carbine. Very gangster. Uh, <clears throat> long story short, I go ahead and made, went ahead and made ready. I checked. I did a brass check to make sure I had a round in the chamber. Well, there's no forward assist on this uh, particular 300 blackout that I was using. And I guess maybe I just wasn't really paying quite uh, much attention because uh, I wasn't really, I didn't feel like I was in a tactical combat zone. So I guess I really cut corners and I paid for it. Uh, so long story short, the um, I see some uh, hogs enter the uh, <laughs> the ambush site. The kill zone. <laughs> the kill zone. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I go up to uh, click open off safe and go to squeeze the trigger. And it's like nothing. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the loudest sound on the battlefield. <laughs> and I'm just like being judged by myself and everyone else that's going to hear the story. So there you go, Internet land. And so anyways, uh, long story short, since there was no forward assist, I had to use my thumb to kind of like guide the um, the bolt carrier uh, or the bolt uh, all the way seated with the bolt face. So that's that's what the user, uh, user error was. Right. Not definitely yeah. not the weapon system. You only you only make that mistake once, though. Right. And yeah, I yeah. think. That's, I don't know, I've had that same thing happen. You know, you pull the the bolt back, like charging handle a little bit, like just kind of to peak to make just sure. To make sure. <laughs> Hello. And, just for a uh, second. <clears throat> yeah, it's not far enough back for that spring to like really push it, you know, all the way close. So. Well, there's a little guardian angel out there for some pigs. And that <laughs> right? guardian angel flew down into your chamber and Whoa. put a little gap between your bolt face well, and that the, round. The guardian angel left for yeah. the rest of the <laughs> Because from, <laughs> there, from there on, Cody proceeded yeah. to, Cody to shot slay the guardian angel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the trip. Yeah, so well, we went back that afternoon. Let me ask oh, you a ahead. question real quick. So I know for myself, the first time... The first time I went hunting, and I mean, you, in general, just in the beginning, you know, you're sitting, especially if you're stand hunting, you know, you get in your stand, you're sitting there, you really, or at least I was able to kind of get into like kind of a deep state of relaxation. You know, I mean, you're kind of, you're watching everything, everything's really quiet and, you know, kind of like hitting that like resting heart rate floor, even if you're kind of looking around and whatnot. And then the first time you're ever hunting, you know, the silence is broken or the, the kind of the visual silence is broken. The, you know, game animal walks out and all of a sudden, you know, it's like boom, 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 yeah, boom, zero boom, to a hundred. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, Oh shit. Like, you know, breathing heavy. I mean, just the physiological reaction of kind of being nervous. Like, I don't want to fuck this up. Get ready. You know, <clears throat> were you experiencing that or hundred percent? All right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, being in the stand, I, I guess I kind of explains to why, like my own negligence when it came to you know the weapon system, you know, I've been active duty for almost 15 years now and I know way better than to just kind of like let something like that happen ever. Um, but it was such a nice, peaceful, like, I don't know. I just escaped. I mentally escaped. Uh, it was, I have a weapon system. I'm a conditioned one. So I had, I got around in the chamber and you know, I'm on a hunt, hunt of my lifetime. Cause I've never been before and I'm relaxed and I really didn't know how to kind of like put all those things together. And, and as cheesy as it sounds, it was, it was one of the best experience I've had in my adult life, especially after uh, some of the things I've been kind of dealing oh, with. Awesome, and man. so, uh, but when I did, when I, when I saw the, the game enter the, the battle arena, I was like, Oh my God, this is going to happen. And I, you know, the, the true thing is, <clears throat> so yeah, I've been on multiple deployments, um, but I've never shot an animal. And one thing I did not want to do was disrespect the hunt. I already felt kind of guilty. I was in a stand. Um, 
So I really wanted to obviously a aim small, miss small. I wanted to, if I'm going to pull the trigger, I want to make sure I'm not just shooting an animal. I want to go, you know, put it down as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, I would say painless, but I mean, there was definitely a lot of pain probably happening that day more internally to my heart, but really from appreciation and happiness, uh, that I wasn't really, really expecting to experience. Um, but yeah, the, the peaceful, the, the heart racing, it did happen. But when I picked up the weapon system later on that afternoon, after I already objected the weapon and I shot, shot some rounds on some steel, you know, about 300 yards out to make sure that I actually had the ability after this complete foobar I had earlier that day, I had to like rebuild that confidence. As soon as I clicked off safe, everything kind of went back to like my basic instincts and, uh, not trying to sound too cheesy about it, but <clears throat> for myself personally, Aaron and guys, like I've been battling like confidence issues for over a year now, ever since I got back from my last deployment. And I was starting to question myself a lot about like basic, like, do I even know what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Am I making up the past 15 years of my life? Like, is this all a facade? Am I just like living on a dream or what people think they heard about myself? So after that first mistake that morning, I was like, dude, maybe that is true. Maybe you're just making all this up and you should definitely self-check your stuff. Uh, but that afternoon or later, excuse me, later on that evening, going back out there again, it really, as soon as I clicked off safe, it kind of just like snapped back in perspective, just a tad bit for me. And, um, you know, I was very, I was very humbled, um, in a very strange way to be able to be in that experience, to have that moment to challenge myself to make sure, you know, to respect the kill, to respect the the area that I'm in, to respect the moment that I'm being able to share and the opportunity that I was afforded to, uh, you know, um, get to go on this hawk hunt. And it really just kind of like put the universe in a pause for me. And I was very, very grateful, very appreciative. And that's when I knew that I wasn't just here for a hawk hunt. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to steal the mic from everyone else. You know, no, I definitely man, like it. Sounds like you really yeah. respected those pigs. As you're stacking, <laughs> stacking them bodies high. Yeah, yeah we, I will definitely, we have plenty of time. Yeah. I will definitely say that uh, you know, out of the, what, four days total, right? Yeah. Four well, days. Three days of hunting, yeah. Three days of hunting. Uh, so first day morning, no good, right? Self, self issues. I learned from that. Uh, that at evening, the next day, morning and evening, the next day, Actually, yeah, morning and evening. It was just a massacre, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Oh man. The pigs will talk about it. Yeah. For, yes. for decades for, to come. Yeah, yeah, and dude, I mean, as far as you know, you know, Bogart and the Mike. I mean, I, I think that's appropriate. I mean, from uh, so from my perspective, the highlight of the trip was was get was to be around all the guys, but in particular to get to know you better and to see you know you you know coming out transition in the act of transitioning out and to see you have that awesome experience. I mean, that's what made the trip for me. I've been, I've been on plenty of hunting trips, uh, usually, usually bow hunting and whatnot, but, um, just, just see, to see you kind of coming real time into that realization of, of, you know, the, the positive and peaceful effect that that, that experience can have. That was awesome, man. That's, I mean, it, it really made the trip put a whole, a whole nother layer of meaning to it. I mean, it was going to be a great time either way. Right. Yeah. But, you know, sitting in my stand and, get, you know, I was getting some some real-time text from <laughs> yeah. you like, oh, my God, this is happening right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome, man. It's like, you know, you didn't have, you, you know, I told you then, you know, you don't have the context for it now because you're just getting into hunting or, or, you know, hopefully you continue to get into it. I don't know. Absolutely. If it, yeah. But, you know, as you look back, you really, really I mean, you, that was a trip of a lifetime. And the, of, of all the guys on the trip, you know, if we could have picked one, I think we all would agree, like, dude, this is, this would be a, a great trip for Cody to, to, to just crush it. And uh, just getting those texts was hilarious because, I'm getting, I'm getting these texts from Cody like, dude, is, is it supposed to be like this? Like, they just keep coming out. I'm like, no, it's not, but it's awesome, dude. You know, yeah, man, true, true beginner's yeah. luck. And then, you know, not to name any names, but meanwhile, I'm getting texts from a, one, one of the other guys down there who's having horrible luck. 
And he's like, you know, how's Cody doing? And I almost started to like, well, he just killed six more and this guy hasn't shot anything. You know, it almost got to the point where it was like, I didn't want to tell him anymore. It was like the juxtaposition of those two experiences. Right. was like, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was definitely balancing. Yeah. I was definitely balancing the whole like, <laughs> do I tell people that I'm shooting animals or not animals, hogs? Cause like I feel bad and I don't want to like boast, but like I'm really excited and I don't know yeah. who to talk to right now. No, nah, man, you got to talk about that stuff. I mean, that's kind of, I understand the frustration, especially, you know, especially when you're new, like you really, you want to achieve success. Right. Mm. And so, you know, you come back and it's like, man, I didn't get anything. And then you hear about all these other guys right. are like, yeah, man, I put like 10 down. You know, it's really, it becomes really frustrating or can become a really frustrating situation. Like, what am I, you know, am I like in a bad spot? Am I doing something to fuck it up that I'm not aware of? Right. Um, you know, is it just shitty luck? And like, you want to, I mean, you want to like, you want to hit that goal. And the reality is that there's like only so much you can do about it. That's right. It. Like a lot of it's out of your hands. So especially in that type of situation, um, I think once you've been like, once you've been hunting for a while, I mean, you go down there, you get, you'd have a goose egg the whole trip and you know, it's kind of like, Hey man, like that's just how it goes right. sometimes. And it's like nowhere near as frustrating. I mean, John, you've been bow hunting for a while. So right. like you're definitely, you used to feel about sure. goose eggs, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know that's why I was so excited for Cody. You know, getting out of the military. You know, I transitioned out what seven or eight years ago and didn't have nearly as as, as extensive a career. But but nonetheless, it, I, I underestimated that transition. And bow hunting was one of the things. A lot of like what Cody talked about. It was a chance to get back out there, kind of get in, get back in time with the universe in terms of you're out there, you're watching the sun come up. You know, it's game on. You know, you're, it's a very detail oriented situation. But but the stakes aren't life and death, right? So it's a chance to get back in time with yourself, get regain that self confidence. Like, hey, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, did, did I did, did I really do all that stuff in the past? Am I just is this a facade? Am I just making making this up? If I convince myself I'm capable of things that I'm not, you know, because you, you get out and you, you know, it's a lot that you're trying to process all at one time, and it becomes the moment, right? Your brain your brain can't be out there floating around thinking about a million different things. You're in an intimate situation with a creature that can hear a hundred times better than you, smell a hundred times better it locks you in, right? And all you can think about is that moment and your next move and how you're gonna get into position without. And the next thing you know, you, you achieve success or you don't. Like you said, I think it's perfect that you started off with a malfunction because you don't, and what happened? Nobody died, you were fine. You went, you went back, you shared with people, you laughed about it, and then you went back out the next the next day and, and crushed it. And then, you know, when I, when I first started, I was very, you know, goal-oriented, just like from that military background, like it's all about achieving this goal. It's about accomplishing the mission. And I came home with a few goose eggs and kept doing it. And then I started like, Hey man, what I'm really getting out of this is watching the sun come up, watching it go back down, enjoying the process, making sure all my shit's straight, you know, being in, in time with something that's going on right in front of my face. And I actually am calmer and have a great time even when I don't kill something, right? It's not about the kill. Right. And I think you, you, you caught on to that very quickly. I mean, I remember even in your text, like the Hawks kept coming out. And at one point Cody was like, man, I really feel like I've, I've killed enough, man. What should I do? I like, dude, then do you stop shooting them. It's all good, man. There's yeah. no, you know, it's not, am I not merciful? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is hilarious. It's like, I feel right. like I've shot enough. And meanwhile, our other friend is like, I have not seen anything. Yeah. This right. is like, he's like two seconds away from yeah, a complete but, freak out. My buddy Rob has like literally seen zero pigs like in six, six years. years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, that, and that, like Aaron said, as a bow hunter, you know, that's something you, you don't last as a bow hunter unless you learn to love the process because that, that instant gratification, that's just one tiny second of, of, of enjoyment. It's, you know, if you're, if you're doing it just for that, those few moments, 
it's not worth it, man. You got to enjoy the whole, the whole process, including the frustration. So yeah, no doubt. No, yeah. hundred percent. And I think that was like a good thing that I did have that malfunction earlier that morning because <clears throat> I apparently did not respect the environment I was, I was in and mm-hmm. like what I was actually prepared to be capable of doing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't able just to tap rack bang like I did. And I still ended up with the same issue cause I didn't ride the bolt home uh, all the way. Right. But I'm glad I wasn't able to just monkey all that action and pull the trigger and like smoke some hogs because it would, it would have been the same, you know, mm-hmm. like I went out there with zero expectations. I really didn't know what to expect. Like I said, other than the obvious, but <clears throat> when I came back later on that evening, I, I was way more meticulous. I was more respectful of what I was about to do. If I was fortunate enough to witness the same thing again and right. that whole universal, um, I guess like mindset connection that, that I experienced from that. I mean, it was, <clears throat> I mean, it was a priceless experience. Yes, did I smoke hogs? I massacred hogs, hundred uh, percent. But did I did I did I smoke past some of the barriers that I had, you know, with myself? I, I did. I definitely was able to uh, blow past some of those uh, roadblocks that were kind of keep me back, um, and really appreciate the small things. And like yeah. you said, uh, actually, the last day when I went to the <laughs> so I switched blinds a couple times, and I was still very fruitful. And then on the last day, I get stuck in this tent. And they're like, here you go, it's, man. It's called a ground blind. It's a ground blind, excuse me, <laughs> a.k.a. ground blind. Hunting tent. Yeah, hunting tent. <laughs> and uh, it's got this, like, super small vantage point uh, to this, like, there was, like, kind of like a feeder and, like, a very small, like, I guess, like, beating zone where you would be able to, like, actually, like, take a shot. Well, it's dark, super dark outside. And I'm like, well, how do I get in this thing? And it starts raining on me. And I'm like, this sucks. So I text John. I'm like, dude, how do you get in this blind? He's like, oh, there's <laughs> got to be a door in the back. I see a window. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they didn't design these things to climb <laughs> through the window. And I'm like, man, this is stupid. So like the Chupacabra is going to come out and they're going to see me. I'm wearing like a blue, my blue softly shirt. Blue soft, bright blue softly yeah. <laughs> And like my, my cami pants. I'm like. Tactical. Tacti- I was super tactical. I was <laughs> athletically tactical. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what, dude? I'm just going to go on a walkabout, man. So I go on patrol. I'm like, if I'm going to burn my sight, I'm going to burn it because I'm walking around. I just stand here like a boob. But I ended up getting <laughs> back in there. But I guess to kind of like put things in perspective, I knew as soon as I saw that tent, I wasn't mad. Yeah, I was because all I wanted was for people to hopefully experience what I was able to experience. And that wasn't just to be able to, you know, shoot, shoot a hog, Mm -hmm. but it was to, okay, challenge themselves. You know, are they are they calm and collective? Are they prepared? Are they they respectful for what they're about to do? Mm -hmm. You know, because anyone can pull a trigger. I mean, we see that on daily news like nonstop. It doesn't take any skill set. But I I disagree with that. Um, To pull a trigger. Yeah. I'm talking about just to pull the trigger. Well, all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just like literally pull the trigger doesn't 100%, take a skill just set. To, yeah. But, pull the trigger. Yeah. It definitely um, takes skill set to put rounds on target where you want them to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess so, so maybe what I was trying to say is that, you know, I wanted everyone else to get a chance to experience that. Okay. Their own internal discipline. Do they have the right dope on their gun? You know, are there, are, is their weapon off safe? Hell, is their gun even loaded? You know, do they have, you know, ammunition nearby if they're on a bolt action and they only have a couple rounds left, you know? were they able to challenge themselves and, you know, truly be professionals in their own little world for that one split second moment. Um, so yeah, when I saw that 10, I wasn't even, I wasn't even upset, honestly. But, I, yeah. You know what? I mean, there is no like honey hole down there. You yeah, know I mean? Everyone, everyone random. thinks there's like the one spot, like the guides know there's the one spot <laughs> right. that's good. They like, have no idea. Yeah. How do we, how do we, how do I get myself like into that spot? And it's yeah. like, man, you know, that place that was awesome last night or two nights yeah. ago or, you know, yesterday morning, 
could be dry for the next five days. Like it, it's pretty, it's pretty random. I think you know, you which is kinda, one of the things I, I love about honey. I I, I kind of had that realization. I was out there one morning. I mean, so I've, I've been on a few hunts, but never in Texas, never in that kind of terrain, man. Just brutally flat, brutally harsh, hot. Everything has thorns. The trees, yeah. the plants, the flowers, the dirt, everything. Right, and watching the sun come up on like the third day or whatever, I was like, man, it is. As soon as that sun starts to peak over the horizon, it is literally game on from sundown to sun up on here. Like these animals are fighting for survival yeah, that man. whole time, and mostly it's, against it's against Cody. mostly against Cody <laughs> on this trip. But it literally is like Aaron says, completely random. Those guys, that area was huge, man. Those those guys have no idea where those animals are going to show up, and the fact that Cody kept changing blinds and still ending up in the money spot. Yep. I mean, what an anomaly, man. I mean, statistically, I mean, you know, I don't know if you could put numbers to it, but it was just one of those things that was, you know, I feel like meant to be and. I just saw awesome. a bunch of herds of spikes, <laughs> spikes, spikes. Yeah. Very difficult to see those spikes at a distance. Was this your first hunting trip, Brian? It was. Yeah. All right. Yep. What, what did you think? I had a good time. I, again, like, like Cody had no expectations. I didn't know the pattern of what was going to happen or what even to expect. In my mind, it was kind of totally different. I thought it would be like three or four dudes in a stand together, like a big stand kind of pointing out all four cardinal directions, you know, and looking out. So then we got out there in the morning. It's like, all right, here's your stand. Okay, well. And at first, I it, it almost seemed goofy, you know. I, I didn't feel, like, comfortable sitting out there by myself, not from a uh, scared of the dark, you know, kind of perspective, but more just like, okay, here I am in this box up in the air <laughs> looking at these roads covered in corn waiting for something to... <laughs> Man, it sounds awesome down. even when you describe it like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I just, again, I, right, I, I, right. it was so different than what my expectation was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you guys talked about, then you see that, you see that animal a few hundred yards down, yeah. peeking around, you're looking through it through your scope, like, what is that? Is that a javelina? Is that a hog? Um, I didn't have a lot of, like, I, I didn't have a goose egg. I shot, I, I had one day where I had just an enormous amount of javelina that came by. So I, I shot two of them and had my fill, but did not see any more hogs. I didn't see any ho- a single hog the whole time. Right. Saw a ton of bucks. I saw one doe that I did not uh, <laughs> did not shoot. Most of it, I had a weapons malfunction. I, I I swapped around weapons a lot. I did not bring my own rifle, and I, instead, I, I first I borrowed one of Aaron's rifles and like Quigley down under is an experimental rifle with experimental ammunition. And the ammunition was poorly made. Although I was 100% convinced that I just couldn't. I was like, my God, I am. My green brace skills are at all time low because I cannot make this weapon I operate. I felt bad, man. That was super random, like a shitty box of ammo for yeah. those guys. I've well, yeah, never... yeah, yeah. I won't name names uh, who made the who made the ammo. But it, was, it was not freedom munitions. It was, oh, absolutely not freedom munitions. It was custom ammunition um, from the people that made the rifle. But... It just didn't. Uh, it wasn't working for me. I was getting double fees, and I was getting light strikes, and the, the rounds wouldn't extract. And so I was more frustrated with the weapon than. So I couldn't. I couldn't settle down. And I had some shots, um, but I'm pretty sure. Like I'm. Like I can shoot it. I can shoot something at 150 yards with a scope. Scoped weapon, um, but rounds were going all over the place, yeah. and so. 
yeah, f- finally I switched over to a long gun, and then it was game on. Nice. <laughs> it's like, but that's like ridiculous overkill, right? You know, yeah. it's like twelve X power scope, three hundred eight, yeah, Kimber, you know, <laughs> Kimber, Kimber rifle. But yeah, I had a great, I had a great time once I figured out kind of what was going on, and I had a good time just taking out my camera, and that was almost as much fun for me as actually shooting the animals. Like I totally get wildlife photography now because it's yeah. like hunting, but you're you're pulling a different kind of trigger. But you have to do all the same stuff. Absolutely. You, yep. know, you have to sneak up on the animals and That's you have to have the point, right yeah. equipment and all that sort of stuff to capture that image. Um, so and I know Cody was in his, in his stand like taking tons of video. That's how you know Cody was shooting a shitload of pigs because he would like <laughs> set up a tripod, set up the camera, and then shoot the pig and get the <laughs> shot on camera of him shooting the pig. I'm like, oh my god, that was pretty cool. He's yeah. texting me these photo, these videos. I love it. He's texting me to me too. I was like, yes, oh, man. I mean, I just needed feedback. Like, did I have my ISO correct? Yeah, you know, yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you know, right. Yeah, right. Set up right. properly. All the about that. All about that technical camera feedback. You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm like trying to like with my inner angel and demon. Should I shoot that like groundhog that's like 40 yards in front of my? <laughs> Front of my hooch. The answer is yes. Yeah. The answer was yes. <laughs> Always yes. They do not like 308. Learn that. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of like add on to what you said, Brian. Like the camera, man, shooting, just the peacefulness of being up there and like, oh man, look, it's a bird. It's a different bird I haven't seen in a long time or never seen before. Or just look, I've never seen the sun penetrate trees that way or uh, that smell of freedom in the crisp Texas, you know, southern morning. And it's just all these things that I just was really able to appreciate. Cause to be honest with you, I'm not sure about you guys. I'm like a, I'm like a hermit crab, dude. I, I sit in my house when I'm off and I don't, I don't want to do anything. And then, uh, right now my, my hobby and skill is a camera and computer. So right. I'm generally inside anyways. And so it's so nice to get out of my comfort zone. Well, referencing what you said about finding an activity that kind of puts you in that military state of mind, with regards to like pre-combat checks and making sure everything's right. Attention to detail. Attention to detail. Like photography has really been that for me. Right. Because like if you you go somewhere and your camera has to be set up the right way, do you have all the equipment you need? Are your batteries charged? Is your memory card formatted properly? And like then is your camera settings right? Okay, now do I have the right lens on the camera? Do I have it, you know, pointed the right way? Now I've got all that done. Now I've got to take that shot, you know, so that bird flutters in the frame. And it's like you got to get it right when it's you only got a moment turn right? the right yeah, way. Yeah. Thankfully, with the I mean, you look back at dudes that used to shoot film, man, like wildlife photographers that are shooting on film before digital. Pretty mind blowing. Holy shit, man! Because you have like you know, depending on the the film, you'd either twenty four or thirty six exposures in a roll, wow. right? So that's like bird flutters in. You got twenty four tries to get it right. Yeah. At a cost of ten dollars, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's right. like each one of those. Each time you pull the pull the trigger it's like a quarter that's so crazy. it reminds me of, of of hunting in that way for sure Dude, yeah. the fucking that's a great point planet earth the yeah. first one where they did you know the they documented those birds in the rainforest yeah mm-hmm. like the birds of paradise yep i mean you watch the like the behind the scenes and the making of or whatever yeah. and this Dude lived in like a fucking box, like a camouflaged box for like two months. Wow. Waiting to get all those shots. for these birds to come yeah. like right into the right place. It's like, man, that's yeah. some like serious dedication. Yeah. Living in a box in a rainforest. The idea, I mean, those guys have done some pretty crazy shit. Not yeah. to go the way, totally the, off the technology. I've been watching the, the Blue Planet 2, the second yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And just the advancements they've made. And what they're able to capture, it's, it's unreal. But It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. I don't know how they get so close on some of those shots. But yeah. 
without disturbing anything. Tricks with the a trip. lot of similarities to hunting. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like for me, and I've, I've never been a real big hunter, but I right. do like getting near and getting outdoors and, and interacting with wildlife. And to me, that's a good way to do it too. And you don't yeah. need a license as well. Right. You know, there's a lot of people out there who just aren't into the hunting. That's a great way to still be connected, you know. So. But I know we talk a lot about like things that for, especially for veterans and getting out of the service. Um, we talk a lot privately, I should say, offline about activities they can get into that really to fill that void because yeah. there's a lot of things that guys transition's hard, man. It is. People way, way underplay it. And the military only looks at it from a, an employment perspective as right. far as like, we want to make sure guys go through this ACAP program and they figure out how to like balance a checkbook and what a credit card looks like. So when they go out and, and do a resume, that was the biggest thing. Get your resume, uh, translate your military experience to civilian or speak civilian jargon. So a future employer knows what you're qualities and capabilities are right but this totally uh <clears throat> no uh attention is paid whatsoever to the mindset you know how do you take a person that's been switched on for 10 years straight and teach them to switch it off right or find outlets that are productive and creative or just healthy right you know and, really, ju and just call a spade a spade, right? Just say, hey, this, you know, this is going to be a transition, not just, you yeah. know, in a factual way like you're talking about. So that when guys start experiencing that, they don't, you know, I mean, over and over, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're all human. We're all going to react very similarly to those kind of stimulus. Yet when you talk to veterans getting out, it's like they feel like they feel isolated, like they're the, like they're the only one going through that. It's like, hey, man, this is actually a pretty normal thing. You've been living a very specific kind of lifestyle for years on end, right? Now you're living a different lifestyle. You know, you're, the, the, the feelings and emotions you're experiencing right now are, are not only okay, like they're completely normal and acceptable, right? You know, now how you react to those feelings and emotions, right? Like, you know, we talked about that with, with Cody on this trip, you know, you surround yourself by, with, you know, positive people, find positive outlets, whether it's hunting or photography or, you know, it doesn't have to involve, you know, quote unquote killing, which like we discussed is a very small part of hunting anyway, but yeah. that's one other topic. But, you know, you, you just, you just address it and you don't just be like, oh, I'll, I'll figure it out, which turns may or may not turn into, Oh, I figured out with lots of whiskey and well, and, and in fights and yeah. yeah and, and just an <laughs> ego of it. Right? right. There's a ton of veterans that you meet that get out that are just have this ego about what they did, you know, like uh, you don't know you weren't there kind of mentality. And they, they fail to recognize just like an ACAP where you're trying to take your military experiences and translate them into civilian speak. Mm -hmm. What, very few people talk about is taking civilian experiences and translating them into military speak, right. you know, kind of having that two way dialogue. So just like we've been talking about with photography, right? Like there's a lot of the same elements of being in military that would a wildlife photographer would do, you know, all those pre combat checks and making sure all your stuff is right, right. and having uh, going through the mindset you would develop in a military situation. But these people come out, they don't make that connection. They don't look at that, Whatever that job is, whether it's a guy that's designing stuff for engineering or whatever, they kind of have this chip on their shoulder about it, and they, they have trouble um, making those connections and finding those outlets, right? right? You know, for that reason, and and connecting with those people because it's like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's it's hard for me to describe, especially hard. It's 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 difficult, but um, there's kind of this segregation that, that veteran culture tends to make between like people that did it and people that don't, and they yeah. don't respect that people in the civilian world that were never in the military 
were doing stuff that was very similar to what right. they were doing other than being in Afghanistan or Iraq. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's, it's a self-induced isolation, right? And so that's that's what, the, what what things like the hunt, the, the hog hunt are amazing yeah. for, right? Yeah. Is you kind of get people together, you get all these different guys that are succeeding, a lot of veterans that are flourishing in the civilian world. Right. And there's just so much melding of the minds when it comes to like, yeah, I found this thing or I found this thing and it's yeah. healthy. And you know what? You know what you didn't see on the hog hunt? Guys getting pissed drunk. Right. You know, yeah. you didn't see guys just like getting crazy. Everybody was having a great time. They were doing it in a mentally yeah. healthy way. Right. And the bonding that was happening, you didn't need to like crawl into a bottle to have it. Right. But I've definitely been to things where that, that was kind of the order, the order of battle, right? Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, I mean, we've also, we've had a few experiences of, of that in years past. Yeah, and, but I feel like know. it's always one one person that's like, and nothing to say wrong about it. I mean, letting loose and partying, that's totally fine. Sure. But some people, that's, you know, that's the only way they know how to have fun. Yeah, well, there's there's blowing off a little steam and, and maybe getting a, a little out of hand. And then there's, you know, coping with with emotions and things that are going on, like self-medication. Like, you know, there, there's a difference, right? <clears throat> yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. man, I partied a little too hard last night. And, hey, man. I partied a little too hard the last six months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that self reflection that being able to identify it and right. you know, what the hot hunt brought was that there was no internalizing stuff by yourself. I mean, it was a very, very peaceful environment, yeah. a very opening environment where conversations kind of flow naturally and, you know, people that weren't that weren't in the military, they're straight just very successful individuals in the in society. You know, being able to uh, <clears throat> break bread with them and have conversation. They were excited about what, you know, guys that are in the military do and right. did. And we're just equally as excited about what they do in their lives because we there are similar, yeah. similarities. And it's being able to self-identify the issues with yourself yeah. or any issues that may or may not appear and being able to, um, you know, put kind of push forward past those barriers and be successful. You know, you're your own victory, your own uh, uh, demise. Uh, so, I mean... But it's really that man. Just that communication aspect was super. Yeah, super it was cool, cool. man. I, I really enjoyed those those guys. Like our boy, uh, shout out to our boy Roque. You know, these guys that we're Instagram friends with in this friends age of social medias, right? Friends yeah, from man. the internet, and you know, just meeting them in person. Like we could, you know, you could just tell from our from our social media presence. Like we we shared a passion for hunting, and you know, took that seriously. You know, in a fun way, right? Yep. And then, but then getting to meet them, and you know, I learned I learned a ton from that dude. Just you know, shooting the shit. You know, just about hunting and, and things in general, shared interests. That and dude I, is super cool. Dude, yeah, dude. Yeah. He's, he's for, the man. He's, he's forgotten man. more about hunting than I will oh, ever. Oh, dude, he's an amazing hunter. Amazing hunter. And it's just, he's humble about it, you know? It's just it's just something he's passionate super about. Super rad, dude. So man. he got really fucking good at it, right? Yeah. But I think that's what, it, you know, so there's plenty of late nights and long conversations, but everybody was just, you know, hey, a few drinks, but everybody was so stoked about the situation. And the next day, is like, well, I'm not going to get plastered because I can't wait for tomorrow's activities, you know? Right? <laughs> so. Well, I think that that's one thing. <clears throat> I don't know if this is like not being humble by saying this. Like, one thing that defines a group is that we have had a lot of success bringing people that are very humble to the event. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone's there really with the idea of like, basically like bonding with bonding with the group mm -hmm. and essentially, you know, helping other people, especially like the new hunters. Like everyone's like really excited for the yeah. new hunters to, to be successful. Um, now, you know, the, the experienced guys are like, man, like I don't give a shit if I shoot some, like, right. I want to, but I'm way more interested in like this guy who's here for the first time, like right. him seeing success as a hunter. Right. Then like, I know I'm going to come back or I know I'm going to go out somewhere else later this year. Right. 
it's not as big of a deal. Um, I think you hit a point, but, perfect bef- point before Aaron. Sorry to interrupt, but that's right. Like you know, as an experienced hunter, you know you only have control over so much. Yeah. So you can you can put in that amount of work to up to the point of what you have control over, and then the most fun thing to do at that point is to sit back and let what happened happen. What yep. happens happen, and you know if you hunt long enough and you do the right things long enough, sooner or later the universe is going to return that effort. With, with success, yeah. you know, and if you, if you stress out about trying to make it happen on any one day or any one instance, you're just, you're just kind of deflating the, 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 the rest of the enjoyment of, the, of that part of the process. Right. Yeah. So, well, and I do think too, that, I mean, you know, one of the things that's really cool about the event is that even though, you know, we aren't really ever hunting as a group, like we're all in this kind of like hunting camp is like a team, right? Yeah. And so even though you're kind of going out on your own and coming back, like there is this, you know, instant like commonality that everyone's sharing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all going out with the same purpose and, you know, coming back and like sitting around the fire. And I think the whole thing without being like super cliche, hopefully is, <clears throat> excuse me, really kind of like taps into like this like primal, you know, very like base level thing, right? right. Like David Delanave mentioned it um, in the video from last year's event that was basically like, there's just something primal and instinctual about like the hunt, right? right? Like, you know, the hunting camp, like getting together. And I think that taps into something kind of like deep within us and, yeah, so you know, like awakens things in a way that we don't get, you know, uh, even in other like team experiences and work and, you yeah. know, kind of like normal everyday type of life. Um, and with that, you know, you combine that with like sitting around the fire and like removing the TVs and like, you know, three or four days, like just enough time to kind of like relax a little bit yeah. and kind of like settle into the groove. And, um, we definitely watched ice dancing though. That's true. The Olympics <laughs> were going on and we did have to watch some ice dancing. But dude, I, but, I, that, dude that, that first Monday back, I woke up, you know, getting, getting my daughters ready for school and I was like, wait, we're not going to, we're not hunting and then bread and sitting around drinking coffee all day and then hunting again. Like this yeah, is man. bullshit. <laughs> the day after breakfast club, you know, yeah. <laughs> welcome back to reality. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I feel, I feel like we, like I've definitely seen people have kind of uh good, like cathartic experiences there, whether it's in the stand or, you know, just sitting and talking with people that they never would have talked with otherwise. Um, Dude, Doug so, last year, man, came back because he was having really like a lot of stress in his life at that time and went out there expecting nothing. It's like, yeah, man, we're going to go hunt hogs. That sounds super lame. But I'm going to go and have fun and or try to make it, you know, what is it is. And he texted me like a couple of times just like, man, I am this is totally resetting my psyche mm-hmm. and spiritually I'm feeling so much better and came back just like, a recooked dude, you know, ready, ready to attack what was going on. But, you know, sometimes I think that, um, it's just a great reset for a lot of people every year to put things in perspective and sort of like what we talked about in another podcast, like you can solve things through walking. You can also solve things through sitting there by yourself, watching the sunrise come up. Yeah, definitely. It's a good, I think it's a great combination. Like you have a little solitude, Yep. And then you come back to the group and exactly. share, share that experience. So you're not, you know, you have that, that space to kind of 
Yeah, or, yeah. or you're John and you have the camera guy tag along with you. One Which, day. Dude, that was the that was probably the highlight of the of the, of the hunt for. Stop the scaring them away with your yeah. fucking drone, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> the thing's kind of noisy. You think maybe you could put it up a little higher? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, but I think it speaks to the group because on the surface, you know, I, mean, I don't know. Some people talk a lot of shit about stand hunting. Um, you know, it's not as much of a, a sporting type event, mm-hmm. especially with a rifle. Um, and I don't want to go too far down like that rabbit hole right. philosophical discussion. But the hunting is pretty basic. You know, like it, it's about as, as easy of a hunt as you can get, right? right? Like you're sitting in these kind of really nice box blinds, like, you know, they're feeding the roads. Anybody that understands gun safety and basic gun management, firearms management, Good yeah, hunt. exactly. Right. But, um, you know, I think that so that isn't what makes the event like really special. Right. Because right. you could go do that anywhere. I think it's coming back again to the lodge with like a good group of people and having that escape from, you know, the family and your job and like everyday stuff and just being able to kind of like, I mean, have that kind of like bonding time yeah. is, is something that. <clears throat> That we don't get really very often, so that, that as humans we're probably still pretty wired for, right? Yeah, definitely. But then in your normal life, it's like, okay, I've got my family, right? That's that's one set of people. Then I go to work; it's a completely different set of people. Then I go to the gym; it's a different. You know, you have all these different pods, and it's kind of isolating, right? Because it's a, it's a different hat you're wearing all day long versus like, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just me, and yeah. these are my people. We hunt together, we eat together. Well, you know. so let me ask you. I mean. You know, going back to talking about transitioning, mm-hmm. like, is that, you think, part of the creating the feeling of isolation, like going from being in kind of like a team environment? Yeah, I think that th- that is a big part of it. I mean, you know, when you're in, especially the type of communities that, that Cody and I came from, you know, you're, you're around, it's, it's your guys, it's your group, and you're around those same people. And then you go, you know, we, we went on a hunting trip for four or five days and had that experience. Even Monday was like, you're experiencing a little withdrawal when you get back. Like, man, right. Monday kind of sucks extra hard today. Now fast, you know, exponentially, you know, raise the stakes on that. You just spent six months in a, in a foreign country living, sleeping, fighting together every day for six months. And then you come back and yep. then, you know, for me, then I get out and I, I take a job, a civilian job in the Pentagon, you know, and now, you know, you go, I mean, you're around each other 24 hours a day overseas. Now I'm around a completely different, I'll just call it breed of, of human being, even, you know, it's obviously the same species, but you know, it's just completely sure. different mindsets, completely different personalities. Right. And you're okay. But, but and I'm only around them for eight hours a day. And then I go to the gym is, you know, when you're in, it's like, Hey, we work together, we work out, we, we train together, we live together, we eat together, we, you know, go on missions together. And it's, it's, um, it's, you don't realize that, you know, how used to that you get. I mean, you, you're in tune with those people and then, and then, you, you know, you're all out <clears throat> on your own, so to speak. That, right. Yeah. That so. is for me. Like that's been the most difficult part about transitioning from the military is that finding those teams. And that's one of the cool thing about soft is I feel like I've got one again, uh, working here, but I got out of the military and immediately was a stay at home dad for yeah. three straight years. Yeah. Talk about transition. Yeah, man. And, but the, the transition was, you know, it wasn't difficult to work. Hanging out with my kids was rad, but like not having any meaningful adult interactions and definitely having no one to, do tasks with together. You know, I had a bunch of hobbies. I like to like woodwork and metalwork and stuff like that. So I go in my garage and like have little projects, but I didn't have any allies, you know, in, in a task. 
And that's kind of all the military is, right? It's like everybody is one big force, one big team accomplishing the same mission. And even if there's disagreements about strategy or operational stuff or tactical stuff, everyone's still trying to go down the same road. um, You know, with parenting, right? Like, I'm not trying to parent your kid. You're not trying to parent my kid. Yeah. Even if I talk about it, there might be like, oh, that's what you're doing? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like judgment. Yeah, huge, huge <laughs> amount. Or, or, or people feeling judged. Right. So now like the, the job, the, the task, the mission is raising your children the best way possible. And you right. go to like these mommy groups or parent, I, well, I won't call them mommy groups, but they're basically mommy groups. Right. And go to these activities. You know, I'm taking my kids to the, the tumble gym and all this different stuff. And you, you talk with these women, but you don't want to talk about parenting. Everyone's like, that's all I do all day long is parent. Um, but in the military, it's the exact opposite, right? Like all, all day long, all you're doing is military stuff and you can't stop shop talking. Right. Like you go out for drinks with your buddies after a long day and all you talk about is that field problem. Right. All you talk about is like that next thing. You can't. I think that's common to a lot of industries though. Well, I'm I mean. sure. I'm sure. But like. <laughs> Ours is way more like abrasive and vulgar and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really depressing at times. But. Um, True. <laughs> my point is, is like it's it, a lot of people. That was the biggest thing for me was missing. And I had a lot of stress and anxiety related to that. And I didn't I didn't recognize it at the time that that was what was what was missing. Right. But my wife recognized it. Like after about 2 years she's like, "Hey man, you you are not a happy person." I'm like, "No, fuck you. I'm super happy." Fuck you, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm starving. Everything <laughs> is fine, you know, cuz stoicism is a huge part of military culture Mm. and keeping that stiff upper lip, making sure that no one ever knows that anything's going wrong, which has led to enormous amount of problems with Mm. TBI and PTSD and guys like, no man, it's good. It's good. Shut up. It's good. Um, When a lot of that could be mitigated by just talking about it. Come up on the radar, right? So I I take that to my, uh, you know, took that to my family life and, my wife was finally just like, hey, man, you got to like find an outlet, go go get a job, something that's going to gonna bring that team back. And that's what the like the hog hunt provides that at least once a year, you know, or, yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Go and have a team. Absolutely. You guys are all on a task. You know, everybody's on a task. You get to learn a lot about everybody else and what they're doing and get updated on man, I did this really cool thing or I started this new business or I've got this new hobby and I'm super excited about, let me tell you about it. And everybody's out there to shoot pigs. Yeah. So everybody's got that common mission yeah. and you come back and you talk about it. It's just really good, man. It's, it's like a lot of the hits all the right boxes, It checks all the right boxes, you know, yeah, yeah, that team mindset, man. I'm, I got on that plane as an individual, right? I mean, I'm very appreciative. I love softly. Softly definitely has uh, turned my life around this past year. Uh, it's been a very difficult year, uh, <clears throat> but I still got on the plan as an individual. I got to the the hog lodge as an individual. You know, I met a bunch of cool faces and some familiar faces, especially John. <laughs> He's so handsome. <laughs> um, and we're wearing the same shirt, by the way. Nailed it. It's pretty. <laughs> and the same Lou lemon pants. So I'm pretty stoked. By accident. That. <laughs> NBD. Anyways. Twinsies. Twinsies. <laughs> oh, oh, here comes a picture. What up, dog? Anyways, so, um, but I guess what I'm getting at is, so I, I roomed with um, <clears throat> John and Chris, and they're like super just like, man, they got their stuff together. At least that's what the perception looks like. And I'm here. I am like this lost puppy soul. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. What do I wear? Do I shower? Should I eat something? Like, oh, I need yeah. adulting in my life. Yeah. Well, one big thing I, I battle, I'm borderline narcoleptic. So like I am super tired nonstop 
and we're getting up at like what four four fifty five yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yep. That's like that's like groundbreaking that's for me. Yeah, yeah, it's like what does that mean? What language is that? <clears throat> but what I'm getting at is 4:50 that four fifty a.m. Yeah, a.m. <laughs> I'm Burgundy. <laughs> well, so as an individual mindset, it completely shifted to that team mentality because I didn't want to let these guys down. You know, it's not like we're driving ourselves to these blinds. It's, uh, you know, we have these, these guys that are driving us, uh, kind of taxing us to the, these rally points that we're going to be hanging out at all day. And, uh, so that team mindset's what <clears throat> kept me on track and made me not want to, you know, sleep in by, by mistake, made me not want to, uh, you know, show to the room too late. Cause <clears throat> you know, I was out still converse, you know, conversing with people out in town or not in town, but at the bottom of the lodge, you know, why, you know, John and Chris might've been sleeping cause man, it's important to them. They need their sleep. I don't want to disturb them because I remember in my team room back in the day, if I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so right. it was all those kind of cool feelings, but yet the greatest thing ever, there was no military shop talk. Right. It was like, no one cared. And I cared not, you know, I, yeah, I, still, I still remember that first night you, <clears throat> getting you know a little stressed out i think it's safe to say and we're 100%. like I, I need some like uh, what time do we got to be up in the morning I was like, well you know the, the guide said we're gonna tell, take off around 6 30 so you know whatever you need to do well okay but <laughs> what time is like i need someone to tell me what time <laughs> to get up I'm like okay man like i can make up a hard time yeah. if that's gonna help you sleep but there, there is no real hard time cody you can i'll make sure you're up you know when i'm up like but I, can, I mean, I, I can make up a time for you to plug in your alarm, but that's all it's going to be. He's like, okay, I think, I think I'm okay. You know, yeah, and, and that's, I, I definitely say that that's a hundred percent accurate. What happened? Uh, not because I, Oh, I need the military, that guidance and direction in my right. life. It's, I've been so dependent on that. And this past the year, and really the, yeah, suffering with yeah. uh, a bunch of like TBI issues. And obviously this, the sleeping disorder that I have, it makes basic functioning extremely difficult. And, you know, I, I go back to my, AM uh, stand uh, conversation earlier. I just didn't check the basics. Yeah. You know, I completely overlooked the most crucial aspect of anything when it, when you have a loaded weapon system. Um, <clears throat> and not being hunting before, but just going back to my you know deployment days. Oh, don't that, give yourself too hard of a time, man. Yeah, <clears throat> you did. You did great, yeah. buddy. Oh yeah. no, 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 yeah, I'm definitely not beating myself up. I'm just, I'm just appreciative that I experienced that moment. It was a very safe, controlled environment, mm -hmm. but it, it's that self reflection, and, and I think kind of like what Brian said earlier, and what you said, John and Aaron. It's, you know, people can say what they want to about stand hunting, whatever, dude. Good luck, bro. I can take you to a stand just like the other guys went, and guess what? You're still not guaranteed to shoot anything. Yeah. So. So boom, that means your point is, you know, revelant to me, Mr. Stan hater guy out there or gal or <laughs> neutral person. Anyways, Cody's coming for you. I'm coming for you. <laughs> but you know what this hawk hunt offered? It, it was, I mean, apparently like everyone who runs this, right. Knows exactly what the end state is, but they're, they're not going to tell you because they told you that's not sexy. No one wants to offer you like, Hey man, come with me. And I'm going to offer you like a universal mindset. I'm going to offer you a chance to really like self reflect and self assess yourself. Mm -hmm. That's not sexy. Sex, drugs and rock and roll and hawk hunts. That sells, man. That's what lures people in. Right. Right. Uh, it's a good <clears> point. And then you end up having just a completely different experience, right? So. hundred percent. I mean, yeah. so everyone knows what's happening. They're just like waiting because every experience is different. Uh, so like, oh yeah, we're doing this hog hunt. It's going to be super rad. Hey, guess what? Boom. You're by yourself in this, this scary stand. It's dark outside and watch out for the creepy crawlers and the, the woodpecker that kept on like kamikaze in my, <laughs> the roof, man. Talking about like, oh my God, Charlie's in the wire. Cause hundred percent he was on my rooftop. 
But anyways, but that yeah. was the true <laughs> outcome. That Last was the year, outcome. You we know? hunted this one ranch. I don't know what the deal was, but the guy that owned the ranch had this llama. It was like his pet llama. Yeah. Man, this thing was so fucking mean. Wow. Like it was spitting on guys. Like we were driving in through the gate one day and the, the llama was coming up. This guy had his window down. It was like, roll up your window, roll up your window. And he's like, why, why? And the llama comes over, just head right in the window and just spits on this guy from like three <laughs> inches away. I went to take a piss, got out of the stand, like turn around. It's like a horror movie. Yeah. Like turn around and like all of a sudden <laughs> like coming for you. the llama's like standing there like, yeah. you know, like it's 50 fast. yards away. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, where did he come from? Yeah. Like looking at him, all of a sudden he's just like, fuck yeah. you, man. Just starts like full speed running at me. Yeah. You know, I'm like pants around my ankles, like trying to fucking like shimmy up the ladder of the fucking state. It's like, do not shoot the llama. It's this guy's like prize pet, you know, blah, blah. Well, yeah. I think they're so, the, the ranchers use them for like basically a security detail, right? Cause they're yeah. apparently super territorial animals. Very like, territorial, yeah. man. That thing was like sticking its head in people's blinds, <laughs> like trying to fucking like bite them and shit. It's like, get, get out of here, man. Get the fuck out of here. You're fucking everything up. My blind now. Llama. But anyway, um, yeah, I think, uh, honestly, the only shop talk I think that really gets thrown around the hunt is like everyone sitting around asking, uh, Joe to tell fighter pilot stories. Right. I like, will never <laughs> stop asking Joe to tell fighter pilot stories. <laughs> Joe has the best stories and he's totally not. He doesn't know, you know, your frame of reference moves. It's like the first time you get into a gunfight, right? Like yeah. now, now my frame of reference is danger is someone shooting at me. Yeah. So when like I'm doing some other thing that was seem used to seem dangerous or used to seem like a big deal. Now it doesn't seem like yeah. a big deal anymore. <laughs> Joe has that like on steroids. Yeah. So we were talking and he was mentioning something obliquely and in passing said, yeah, that was like right after my midair. It's like, what do you mean midair? He's like, my midair collision. It's like, but that's not a good story. So I'll talk to this, talk about this other thing and finish my other story. So he finishes the other story, which was a good story. I'm like, okay, man, like let's rewind. Let's go back to the time that you got into a midair collision <laughs> inverted in a freaking FNA 18 yeah. Super Hornet. Um, it's like, well, you know, it's not, not too big. We're off the carrier, you know, near the border of Pakistan, Afghanistan. Like, dude, already, right? <laughs> like, you could stop there, nothing more to the story, yeah. and it'd be a funny story. Right. Or interesting story. No, no, no. It ends up being this, like, thing of intrigue with the other person that did it, you know, that ran into him, was embroiled in all these scandals in the Navy and... This was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, but it all came out in the investigation of the collision. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is an amazing story. Well, you know, it's an okay story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that guy has, he, he, yeah, yeah. We did the math. He's like, the U.S. government spent $62 million putting him in aircraft. Wow. Like if, when you figure out the fuel, maintenance costs, and the amortization of the aircraft. Right. And F-18... Once it flies six thousand hours, is done. Like you right. just like push it off the deck of the boat. Like it's broken. <laughs> wow. just do, literally, just goes to the boneyard. They strip it down, put it at the boneyard. So uh, an F eighteen costs seventy million dollars. So Joe has flown about three thousand hours. So thirty five million dollars worth of an aircraft he's flown. Wow! You know it's just incredible. You taxpayers. You think about these experiences like that. Just no one can have that. Only the military could offer. 
you know, that's definitely one of them. Riding on a submarine, no one else can do that unless you're a Russian oligarch. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> or, but yeah, Joe has intense stories and I will never stop asking him to tell them. Yeah. But, well, but he's cool. I mean, but he's cool about it. He's wearing like aviator shades and he had a shirt that's like, trust me, I'm a fighter pilot or something like that. <laughs> Christ, man. That's hilarious. Officer safety. Yeah. yeah. Joe is going to command an aircraft carrier one of these days and you would never know it. No, he's very, very humble dude. He's wearing yeah. like four year old or five year old pain sweatpants that have like been repaired by a person. <laughs> they, got, they got holes in them. He's like, no, I'm just going to go to Walmart. I'm just going to go take him to the tailor. It's <laughs> like on paper, he is the quintessential fighter pilot, you know, like went to Annapolis, drives a Corvette, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And like steps out of the Corvette and he's wearing like ripped sweatpants <laughs> and like the like 5K shirt that he got yeah. six years ago. And like PX, <laughs> PX shower shoes, you know, you're like, what is going on, man? Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck, man. Yeah. No, he does not. Zero fucks given. But yeah. one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah. And um, his family's been through a lot, so he's uh, he deserves only good things coming his way. For but sure. all those guys, um, I shouldn't say all those guys, a lot of the guys basically like, you know, Joe's age, a lot of the active duty people at the hunt are all either getting ready to transition like Cody or are on that cusp where they're, hey, it's time to make the decision. Right. You know, are you going to get out or are you going to kind of like – go for the long haul yeah or the longer haul i guess um so yeah i mean i don't know like you know john you've, you've talked a little bit about transitioning mm -hmm. like you know i know cody like you're starting to see like this light at the end of the tunnel if you will it's beautiful you know what i mean like what are the things that are going through your mind you know what are the things that you're that you're nervous about or things that you know you think you need to to focus on yeah, that's a it's a great question, and I think I have a good answer for it now. But I flashed back about like four months ago, um, when <clears throat> I was talking to a transition specialist, and she asked me, "He's like, what do you want to do? What do you what are you interested in?" And I did not know, like nothing that I enjoyed in the past or hobbies that I had existed anymore. Uh, <clears throat> everything that I thought defined me, I was like really just trying to cut away from those and realize that it's myself who defines me, not the items or a job that I had, you know, <clears throat> that job didn't make me, you know, my experiences, my, the mentorship and leadership that I was given as a young trooper, you know, working my way up, you know, that's what has defined me, those moments, not these objects. <clears throat> and so it wasn't until, uh, wasn't until really like, I guess maybe two months ago, I was like, you know what? I remember exactly why I came into the Marine Corps and that was to, uh, you know, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And those are things that made me happy. And I've been very, very fortunate to be extremely successful, you know, getting the opportunities to obtain those things or a chance to try to obtain those things. And I'm like, why am I trying to reinvent the will? You know, I definitely am anti reinventing the will type of person. I just cannot understand it anymore. So <clears throat> realizing that I came in the Marine Corps at, at, you know, to do something that made me happy, I'm like, all right, I'll just get out of the Marine Corps and do something that makes me happy now. That should just be the simple, right? That's the best way to uh, kind of like start me off on the right foot. And <clears throat> so I, I contact this transition specialist again. I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to get into cameras and like film and editing. Like I've always loved that stuff and all the surveillance courses I've ever been to. I'm always like getting in trouble because I'm like, hey, how do you do that one thing and make the explosion in the background? They're like, oh, that's not part of this class. So we're, <laughs> we're doing strictly forensics or blah, blah, blah. Like some new super nerd. I don't very, speak like that. Very dry stuff, right? It's, it's not just my like voice. You, Brian, no, that's not Brian. <laughs> Damn Definitely not Brian. It wasn't Brian. I thought it was Brian. No. <laughs> and so now I can actually get into that. I don't have to take these like boring pictures anymore. I can take boring pictures and hopefully, you know, apply a twist them. And hopefully under, you know, Brian's leadership and mentorship, you know, <clears throat> I have no doubt that I'm going to be able to achieve that goal. So, but yeah, I was really, I was scared. You know, my wife, I rely on my wife a lot. I mean, it sounds lazy, but I mean, my wife sets on my clothes. She cooks my food. I mean, I, I walk into walls uh, when, when it's a bad day. I like I started like just drilling myself like I go completely like mush brain. And <clears throat> I went from, you know, being the youngest, you know, dude to ever pick up a certain rank in the military to now I'm like walking to doorways. Like, how do you explain that to someone or, you mm -hmm. know, you people say they know you or, you know, people know of you and then they meet you and you're like, repeating yourself five times because you forgot what you just said. Like it's, <clears throat> it's embarrassing. So it was a pretty hit on my, uh, pretty big hit on myself. Uh, so then trying to figure out, you know, how can I do a job and who's going to take me on when I have to take a nap, you know, unless I get this sleeping stuff fixed or, you know, what if I don't remember how to even, you know, do X, Y, or Z. So <laughs> all 15 years of experience that I have, I don't really remember much how to do any of it. <clears throat> But after talking to Brian and, and obviously you, Aaron, and <clears throat> really being able to just, okay, kind of calm down a bit, stop trying to force it, just like the hawk hunt, right? You know, I, didn't, I couldn't force that morning shot even if I wanted to, because I tried. I, you know, I tap rack bang. I did other things that, you know, I was taught, you know, as a young trooper at 18 years old. And it still didn't work out because I forced it. It just wasn't right. I didn't respect that moment. And <clears throat> after I got rid of like, have this like super or had this like super gnarly old school truck that's been my daily driver for like five plus years, all these things that I'm like, oh, these things are the things that define me as a man and as a dude that's been in my job. And, you know, my wife came with this gangster plan to like, hey, let's, you know, let's think big picture. Let's start getting rid of some stuff we don't need, the non-necessities. And I'm like, well, I want to help contribute. So <clears throat> I offloaded my truck and I told myself I'd never do that. <clears throat> And I did. And it was like the biggest relief because it was, it was cutting away from those things that I thought that it defined me kind of like some of the issues with the military, you know, not knowing that, Hey, I don't need to go back to a military type of job. Nothing against the guys and gals who do that. It's just <clears throat> right now. It's not what I want. I want to be happy and I don't want to do those types of things. You got to be honest with yourself, man. hundred percent. I well, think it's really hard to do that. Yeah. It's also extreme. There's nothing more difficult to me than to take someone that is, an absolute expert at something in their field, a, a high starter and pull them away and put them in something that they're absolutely not that, you know, you're yeah. used to being this, the, the, the rising star, the top guy, the one that everybody goes to for their questions. Cause you're the subject matter expert about something. And for an infantry person in the military, there's literally no equivalent to that outside. I mean, certainly there is being a contractor and going overseas and doing an infantry job for a private company, like a mercenary type role. But law enforcement is not that. Nope. You know, firefighting is not that. There's there's nothing that's equivalent. So if you have a guy that's just an amazing dude that's been doing awesome stuff in the military for 10 years in an infantry role, you pull him out. Unless he's been educating himself in other ways, you're basically starting at zero as far as your expertise is going to be in, in any other field. 
it's really, really hard. I think part of that that. also speaks to the level of humility, you know, kind of like keep hammering home on this point that you are able to develop just as a human being, as a person, you know, throughout your time. And, and part of that comes to, I think, you know, the more humble you can be, the easier it is then to like pop into a new role and be like, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not the the top expert. I can, you know, easily swap into like being the student and, you know, pick up new things. Right. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's, you know, it's really, it's easy to say and it's, yeah. it's definitely hard to do. Right. Well, and you want to, you, the hardest part is you want to be at that level that you're comfortable with. Um, that, you know, I know a lot of people that this is a, this is a oblique analogy, but I know a lot of people that used to play a musical instrument when they were younger and they got to a certain level and then kind of dropped off. And then in their adult career, they're like, well, you know, what would be really cool is to go start playing the guitar or the piano again. So they go get a keyboard or they go buy a guitar and they do it for like a week and they quit because the, they're not at the level they were right when they, when they stopped playing. Right. So it's really difficult for them mentally to have the confidence to continue to work, to get back to that baseline of where you were, yep. you know? So uh, people just say, well, you know, screw it. Maybe, you know, I don't, maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was, or maybe this isn't worth the time or whatever. And it happens to a lot of people, um, <clears throat> with, with regular stuff as well. They, they never had a, uh, the skills in a specific role, but they're used to being at a certain level and going back down. It feels like I should know how to do this. I should know how to do that. This is really basic. This sucks. Well, I think especially coming from the, you know, the military in general and certainly the, you know, special operations community is, you know, you're starting over and you're, you know, you're coming from a community that vulnerability is, is generally looked at as a weakness, right? Yeah. And, and you got to start over and in that community to come up on the radar and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of fucked up right now. I don't, I don't, I have this going on or I don't know how to do this or that, you know, that's, that's perceived as usually just speaking yeah. generalities is, is a weakness. And then now you're the new guy in a new field or a new career. And you're like, you know, the, like, like Aaron said, the only way that you're truly going to be able to succeed there is to have some humility, show some vulnerability and be like, Hey, you know, I, I don't know how to do this or I don't know if I'm doing this right. Or, you know, for my case working in the Pentagon, like I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. Like how well, do you, how do you say that coming from where we came from? Like, what the fuck do you mean? You don't know what you're supposed to be doing right, right. now. Are you kidding me? You know, like, no, I'm serious. I'm just sitting <laughs> in this cube, this cubicle right now. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. You know? <laughs> well, so. and that's it. It's, it's healthy that you can ask those questions. Right. A lot of people suffer from, I don't know what you'd call it, survivorship bias or something like that, where right. you forget all the work that you put in to get to a certain yes. place. So like a military, for granted, yeah. you forget like, all of the trouble that you had learning how to zero your weapon and all the trouble you had learning how to run a patrol and all those times that you failed reading that map or getting to the spot. Because once you're an expert, you're like, well, this feels all innate. It's on autopilot. Now I can worry about these higher level effects. It's kind of like with Cody and I like working on the photography bit, you know, some, you want to be immediately like, I saw this like million dollar production and I want to go shoot a video that looks exactly like that. It's like, well, you know, we got to work together on these small pieces right. that um, are hard, you know, like, but in, and then five years down the road, you're going to be like, Oh man, I, I had to learn that at one point. I forgot learning that. Right. Uh, but it's hard to get, to get back in the mindset right. where you're trying and to you, do you, the little you, basic for, things. You know, for me, switching over to that office, that Pentagon, even, and then even when people tried to help me, you know, assuming that I didn't know what to do and they were right, 
I would get frustrated and take it and take it as an insult. Like, what are you? And they're like, but actually, right? I don't know how to. I don't know how to do that. Like yeah. you know, simple shit. Like, sure. hey, John, let me show you how to use it. I know how to use the scanner. I don't know how to use yeah. the scanner. I've never, you know, <laughs> so yeah. never done it before. Yeah, and so. that was Tim. Like, go back to your question, and that was the thing. I had the conversation I had with my wife is that I'm like, do people know me in the military? Then yep. no one knows me as not in the military, and I was super scared because <clears throat> because I really didn't grow up in the military doing things by protocol. Um, I went about doing things in the military by building relationships, communication, having interpersonal skills. So when it comes time to like, okay, now I'm like super administrative mode where, Hey, I have to go to this appointment, schedule this thing. I don't know how to do those. And I'm reliant on a lot of people because now I'm completely disconnected from the hub of dudes and gals, you know, that I worked with for almost 15 years. And I'm like, how do I schedule this? So when those questions I'm like with my wife, I'm like, dude, I'm gonna go to this place and they're gonna be like, well, you should know these things, right? You're some Mr. Special Operator dude thing and you don't know how to do this. I'm like pressing buttons like Mortal Kombat on my camera. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I press left down, right up, I'm gonna take a good picture, but if it's dark outside, I press triangle and it's definitely gonna change it for me. That's not the case <laughs> and I found that out during the hawk hunt for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's the biggest thing is like, you know, realizing that it's not what you've done that defines you, it's what you had to do to get to that spot. So to mm. be able to look back and self-assess your life or your, your accomplishments or even your failures, cause that's important. That's just as important. Uh, I would, I would argue more important. We learn way more from failure. I think than we do from success. No, hundred percent. And What's uh, failure, <laughs> failure is not an option. <laughs> Tell me more about this. Tell me this strange <laughs> word you speak, but you know, I hope some like this podcast, like does for people. I remember I did a, uh, I was part of a VTC, uh, video teleconference about a week or so ago. And it was talking about like, TBI stuff and basically just like, you know, how do we get our guys and gals to the 20 year mark without them like hitting this like phase line, this wall where they're just like, screw this or hey, I'm walking in the walls and I don't know what to do because I've shotgun every assessment, you know, up to this point because I want to just be in the fight. And uh, <clears throat> but it, it's it's OK to like communicate. It's OK to have that conversation. And I've been extremely open with, you know, the softly family hell, even to these strangers you know, we're strangers. Now they're, we're not strangers anymore, but the, the guys and gals at the hog hunt and it's, it's normal. I mean, you get more results by communicating, you know, you can't live your life outside of your comfort zone by keeping everything internalized because you're just going to find that out, that out. It's going to be alcohol, drugs, right. hermit crab, you know, syndrome, like whatever it may or may not be. Uh, <clears throat> but I promise you this, you know, um, I think I have a pretty good reputation at work. And so once I came out very publicly and I'm like, yo, I came out that sound horrible. Once I <laughs> broadcasted to the masses, like, hey, you know, I do these, I, I miss my mouth while I eat, or my wife has to basically like take care of my life because I'm a walking like just jello blob sometimes. You know, I got kind of strange looks because that's like John said, that's not a normal thing, especially in special operations community to be like, oh, I have issues. No, you suck it up uh, because I think we're very, uh, people like us, we're very uh, a guilt based culture, you know, we feel guilty for saying, Hey, I have an oop, a boo boo or an owie or, Hey, right. I feel guilty for going to medical to get something checked right. out. Cause, uh, we all, Cause we all know, we all have friends and the people that paid the ultimate sacrifice. Right. So in comparison to that, yeah, you feel like, man, it's right. not that bad. Right. And just like, you know, then I think some of the organizations, at least organizational leadership, you know, they're a very shame based culture where, Hey, are you, when are you going to stop going to medical? Hey, when are you going to stop doing this? Hey, when are you going to suck it up, man? We all have issues. Well, when you're, you have a guilt-based mindset and then you're getting shoved in the face of the shame-based culture, 
uh, I mean, what do you think you're doing? You're going to internalize stuff. You're, you're going to not communicate. You're not going to share life experiences or kind of just talk about what's going on. And, um, so, you know, for the people who are listening to this and just even for us, I mean, we got to continue that communication because there's not one person or member of the Softly family that is, you know, too cool for school or too cool to talk about anything. And that's the best thing. I mean, and I have met nothing but successful uh, guys and gals, you know, with just within the Softlead family and how, you know, the Softlead uh, extended family that came out to the Hawk Hunt. I mean, every one of those people were successful. And success is defined not just by money or, you know, what they have as objects in life, but just their overall happiness and their, their struggle to be the best father, the best mother, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, but it all starts with communication. And yeah. <clears throat> to me, that's that's the that's what ma- that's what's making transition much easier is just communicating because uh, oh, TBI. Hello, I remember what I was going to talk about. So when I when I opened up and like, hey, these are the issues I'm going on with. A lot of people came up to me like, hey, well, how did you do this? How did you do that? It's like sitting in the, in the classroom, like, uh, like John said, I don't know what to do in this cubicle. I don't know what to do either, man. Well, you've been here like longer than me, you nerd. Like, why didn't you say something? So now I don't feel so stupid. And right. sometimes it just takes that dude or gal to just. Just you know what, say fuck it, man. I got nothing to prove to anybody. Because in the, the day, you're not going to be wiping the drill off my face. You know, like so. Why should I be scared of your shame based culture? Why should I feel guilty for being human? You yeah, know? I think getting to a place where you have nothing to prove to anyone is like way harder than you know most people think. And if you really are honest with yourself, like. It's, uh, <clears throat> you know, when those when those situations present themselves, it's really hard not to, like, raise your hand, speak up, and kind of, you know, try and prove yourself. Um, I think, you know, since we're talking about the hog hunt, like, one of the situations that really had impressed me a few years ago at the hunt was we had this guy there who was, uh, like, pretty active pistol shooter, like, also kind of a talker. And he was kind of like trying to take a bunch of people through a bunch of like different pistol shooting drills, et cetera. And like every third sentence out of this guy's mouth was like, hey, like my buddies at like this one unit, like do this. Like this is how they do it. Like these are the high speed guys. Like and I mean, man, everything was like my buddies at this place, my buddies at this place, my buddies at this place. Well, you know, what he didn't know is that like there's a dude from that place like at already there at the hunt. Right. Right. You know, and this guy is just like eventually kind of like rolling his eyes, but like, you know, he never came out and was like, dude, you're full of shit. No, no, no. Like, let me tell you how it is. Yeah. You know, it's just like, man, whatever. If this guy wants to fucking run his mouth, like, I don't, you know, I don't even care. Mm -hmm. And Burger King was at the place. (laughs) Was it Burger King? (laughs) Burger King. Yeah. Okay. Um, You can have it your way. I knew it. I knew it. I bet. Exactly. And, uh, well, but I'm just, you know, I'm saying like to go through the whole event and not, I I mean, this other guy, like, I don't think he, you know, he went home and maybe, maybe if he hears this, this will be like the first time he realized that, you know, that dude was even in the military. Um, people don't forget, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, in any event, I think, you know, it's easy to say that, Mm -hmm. but how many people in that situation you know, wouldn't like raise their hand and be like, dude, you're, you know, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Let me, let me tell you like how it is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, getting there. So difficult. I've never been able to do it myself. (laughs) Well, I think it, 
it speaks to being in a place where you're like comfortable with yourself, right? right? And I think, and like you said, nothing, nothing to prove, man. That guy wasn't there to compare pro- pro- proficiency. He was there for the brotherhood and to have a good time. And yeah, and I know. think, well, it seems like when you guys talk about transition, that's ultimately it, it seems like a, a core component of that, yeah. right? Like, and it, ta- and it takes some time to get there. I think, I mean. Um, it's refreshing to see a guy like Cody with that with as extensive of a background as he had. I mean, fifteen years is a long time, and to see him coming out already, you know, aware of those things, I think that's the the biggest thing. It's like, hey, be aware of it. Doesn't mean you're gonna it's gonna happen overnight, but you know, awareness is you know, uh, awareness is huge. Right. And I think you know, it comes down to a lot of the stuff like Brian's talked about before. Where, you know, there's like kind of this like poisonous veteran culture out there mm-hmm. where you get stuck in like, you know, I need to tell the world like this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and man, that's, there's a lot of arguments that can be made like back and forth well, about that stuff. But, yeah. And I think that goes exactly what I was saying about feeling like going from feeling like an expert and feeling as part of a team to feeling like you're outside of the team and you're not an expert at whatever a lot of people cope with that by virtue signaling their service. Right. You know, they they wear antagonistic clothing or they say antagonistic things to people or they associate with what I would consider to be unhealthy social groups that right. kind of give them that. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard. That's the easy answer, right? right. Like it's it's easy to do that. That's the warm fire. And the hot chow. Well, right. that's yeah, man. I don't. I know we're we're running like way longer than usual, but um, Brian, you made a really good analogy when we were down in Texas that I thought uh, actually would love to have you write write about in a longer kind of exposition format. But if only I, I knew how to write. <laughs> if only I'd ever learned to read. <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to touch on that now. No, yeah. Or, so that was that. A lot of I'm not going to name any names as far as companies or, or organizations or whatever, but you know when you're at selection SFAS, and I'm sure it's similar in, in Rip or Rope or Rasp or whatever the fuck the Rangers are calling <laughs> it these days. There's a voluntary withdrawal VW Corral mm. that's got white engineer tape wrapped around some trees, and at any point if you want to if you want to quit if you want a VW. Yeah. That's where you go, right? And so the instructors put like it's super cold outside, so they put a warm fire there. They put some hot food there. It's hot outside. They put a big igloo cooler with ice cold beverages, you know, a cooler with with full of cokes and and sprites and things to things to drink. Yeah. And they just want to make it as easy as possible to make that choice. You know, to, to go over there and sit by that it's fire. Instant gratification, right? Right. The hard right. the hard thing is to like suck it up and keep moving. Mm. The hard thing is to like, oh man, it's a little bit scarier out here in the dark with zero loom than mm. I thought I was going to be walking through a freaking blackberry forest. But the hard thing is just to keep putting your f- feet in front of in w- front of one another and going towards that goal that you've a- already established for yourself. You know, if you if you're at selection, obviously you want to be a green beret. Right. If you're if you're transitioning out of the military, obviously you want to be a civilian mm-hmm. and you want to interact and be a part of the civilian world at large. That's a great point, yeah. And it's so easy to just say fuck it and go sit by that fire right. and eat that. Chow. You're trapped in the in, in the because once you, I mean, yeah. the, the difference is is in in SFAS. Once you make that decision, it's fucking done. 
You cannot bat it. Oh man, once you get that warm belly, you know, that, that full tummy and that warm, those warm feet and hands, yeah. it's your emergency chill. You can't be like, Hey man, I've made a mistake. I want to go back and fight the good fight. Thankfully in the real world, you can do that. You'd right. be like, well, I went down this path for yeah. a little while. It's now I can recreate myself. Right. But there's so much of that out there for veterans to have, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey man, we know it's hard. We know your transition's hard, but here's this like t-shirt. Here's this whiskey. Here's this, you know, here's this other stuff. Here's this Facebook group where people can talk about civilians and how stupid they are and, right. you know, reminisce and tell nothing but war stories and, and all that sort of just poison that it, it could be, there's nothing wrong with telling war stories and right. talking with your buddies, but then you put that, you put those things away and you go get it done in the real world right. and you put one foot in front of the other. And a lot of people have trouble with that. Right. And I am philosophically extreme. That's one of my favorite things about Softly. Softly it's not about that. Right. You know, it's a veteran organization, but it's about making those healthy choices and staying on that path and finding that goal. It's not about selling you the fire or selling you the warm chow. Right. And if it was, I wouldn't work here. Yep. Boom. Well, we'll see. How do I drop this mic? Because that, <laughs> that deserves a mic drop right yeah, there. Right. Well, let me just say, um, man, Cody, I know it sounds like you're dealing with, uh, you know, difficulty with transition and kind of finding finding your, your place right now. But so far, everything we've seen has been pretty awesome. So keep it up. Cody, you're way better than you think you are. Yep. That's the thing. No, I mean, seriously, like that's your... It's the thing that I I feel that your your ability is way higher than your confidence allows your brain to process. Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. you're way way better at interpersonal communication. You're way better at figuring things out. Yes, you have. It's kind of like what we've been talking about. You you were at a certain level with your brain, and now it's a little a few marks down. You feel like your expertise, and that difference is hyper apparent to you, but it's not apparent no to else. anybody else. Right. It's not apparent to anybody else. So you're super self-conscious about it and you constantly apologize for it. Uh, but you don't need to because we all think you're awesome just the way you are. Welcome Thanks. to the trust tree, Cody. Yeah. Thanks, Gus. Now sing Kumbaya. Right. Well, so let's end just on this, I guess, Brian and John, um, if you guys have like one or two pieces of advice for people that are transitioning, you know, what from your experiences, you know, what are the most important things you could share? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, and I've been out for a while now, which I think actually helps me answer that question because I've had, you know, years to go and reflect back. And, you know, the advice I would give myself now looking back is like, hey, acknowledge that it's going to be a transition. Just acknowledge it, you know, awareness like the, that Coney has, you know, um, you know, what um, and that, that it's normal and not to give in to that instant gratification like Brian was talking about. You know, and if you do, like you said, you can self-correct. It's not the end of the world. It's not. But just, just it, you know, recognize that what you're feeling is normal and that a, a lot of other people are going through the exact same scenario that feels so specific to you and, and just find positive outlets for it. You know, luck, luckily enough for me, I kind of I wasn't super aware of it. I just kind of stumbled into, stumbled into the CrossFit community. A Marine Corps uh, buddy brought me into his gym. And I was like, I'll just work out here. And it turned out to be that community and sense of, 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 you know, camaraderie that I was missing. So mm-hmm. I just kind of accidentally stumbled upon it, you know, and it really helped me out a lot. Um, but, um, you know, I would just say, you know, 
fine. It doesn't have to be CrossFit, you know, not, not to say you have to drink that Kool-Aid, so to speak, but you have to find healthy outlets and realize like you're not above a healthy lifestyle, right? Like you're not too cool to be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to live a good, healthy life and do active things, you know, whether it's hunting, photography, CrossFit, all the above, um, you know, and surround yourself with positive, like-minded people. So, you know, that you can you can stay on that path. So yeah, I totally agree. My my biggest thing to, I tell people is to have a goal, and that mm. sounds stupid, but have like a real defined goal. So many people coming out of the military, their goal is to use their GI Bill, right? You know, and, and like or whatever. It's it, or they don't have a goal. The goal is to find a job that right. pays money. Well, okay, but have a goal that you can a fifty meter goal, hundred meter goal. You know, have these have these plans. And then work towards the goal and then find communities that will help you. And the goal could be anything. Like, who cares if, if, if your goal is to skydive all the time? Great. Like, go find that, that drop zone that's going to help you out and let you work as a rigger and, and, and maintain. If your goal is to be a engineer or something like that, like, then you can go to college and you can use your GI Bill and get that. But a lot of people come out of the military utterly rudderless. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they know that, like, they need money. They know that they need something to do with their time, but what they don't know is what lies ahead for them, or or even a, a goal of any sort. So having that goal before you get out, yeah. like thinking really long and hard about like, and it, here's the, the cool thing too about the civilian world, right? It's not like the military where it's like, oh shit, you're in this one job, that's it, right? Yeah. You re- reclassing to this other thing is is impossible. If you go to college and you're there for two years and you wanted to be an engineer and you realize that you want to do something else, like you can change your goals. But having a goal that you created yourself is difficult for a lot of people in the military because the military provides goals. There's the hill. Go take it. There's the thing. Go take it. You know, there's the, the run. We're doing five miles this morning. Go run. Right. And a lot of people have trouble basically thinking for themselves, coming up with their own goals. So that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing that a lot of guys need to work, work on. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, recommend for them is just think long and hard about I want, not what they want to be when they grow up, but what they want to do when they grow up. Right. You know, it's not about what who you are; it's yeah. about what you're accomplishing. And, you, and, you, and if you and if you have you find yourself having this frustration or expectation for the civilian world to 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 understand or give a shit about what you've done or where you've been, you got to let that go as quick as possible, man. Well, like, yeah, and, just, and and knock the chip off your shoulder. Like you, anything, any culture, any yeah. community that's based around any activity. People, because of the military's culture of like, fuck you, go figure it out yourself, right? right? It's like, hey man, like how do I do? Fuck you, go figure it out yourself. I figured it out myself. What you talked about, like you're against reinventing the wheel constantly, Cody. That's military culture is you need to reinvent the wheel because it was hard. And so you have to do it to like earn your keep around here. It's not that way in the civilian world, man. You go and if you want to be a freaking beekeeper or whatever, you find that beekeeping group and they're going to be like, awesome, man. You want to be a beekeeper? Well, here's what you need to do. And here's what you got to buy. As a matter of fact, I've got like these things that you can have because I don't use them anymore. And people, if, if you can't show up with a little bit of humility and an open mind, you'd be mm. shocked what's out there. Yeah. But, but if you don't know what you want, if you don't know anything about your goals, you know, it's a lot harder to find that those were, there's not, there are, there are groups out there that are for rudderless people that have no idea what they're doing on this planet. And those are the ones I was talking about prior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like, okay, man, let's just sit around and drink booze. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Talk about I think, the good old days. I think that's another thing as you're getting out, you know, um, 
try to attach yourself or associate with, with guys that maybe are a few years ahead of you in the process or a lot of years ahead of you. Um, and, and that are, are, you know, I say successful is cliche, but are just living the kind of lifestyle or, or making the kind of impact that you want to make. Right. Because the reality is you feel like you're on your own unique path out of the military and you're finding your way. It's a path. Thousands of other dudes have already been down and it tends to be pretty divergent, right? He tends to go one way or the other. Sometimes it's, it's that simple, you know? So I'd say associate and attach yourself to, to the dudes that are, you know, and if that path means, you know, drinking a bunch of booze and wearing offensive shirts and waiting for the rest of the world to realize how awesome you are and how much they should all be kissing your ass for all the crazy shit that you've done, then hang out with that group. You know, if, if it's, if it's, you know, moving truly moving on you know appreciating your past and not forgetting the the experiences and the, and the friends that you lost but you know living the li- kind of lifestyle you feel like is gonna make the most of that make those you know make that memory th- that memory proud you know then attach yourself you feel to people you feel like you're doing that doing that same thing you know so if you've ever been mad that a business didn't give you a veteran's discount you're on the wrong path <laughs> seriously yeah like the, that's your mental checklist right that's you're a good been mad that no one gave you five percent because you're in the service to thank you for your service right you're on the wrong path and you need to fix yourself right all right <clears throat> well looks like our time is up Thank you guys for sitting down. I think this might be our longest podcast ever, but uh, really glad we can have these conversations. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks uh, to Freedom Munitions and Leupold for supporting the hog hunt. Coming at you from Softly HQ. We will catch you next week.